Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman Podcast, where I am on a mission to encourage a million teachers weekly. So I pull in people and have conversations around education. So primarily teachers and those individuals who are supporting in all sorts of ways, teachers in local schools. And so today, ladies and gentlemen, I have my friend Kelly Ramsey on the uh, episode with me and we go way back. Kelly, how long have we known each other? Oh man, um, that long? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, we no, it's been We have known each other, it's been a minute. I would say at least 12, 14 yeah. years. If not longer. Yeah, at least 12, 14, I, yeah. Because it's 2023. I mean, you were at, you were at, uh, you were at Family Expectation Public Strategies before me, right? Yeah, from conception. Yeah, so that's yeah. been eighteen years. Yeah. Yeah. So I came along about two thousand ten or so. So yeah, you're about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Somewhere yep. in there for sure. So, uh, Kelly, thank you so much for being on with me today. Uh, if you would just kind of tell people uh, who you are and what you do. All right. So I am a business owner of Developing People Incorporated. And it is my lifeline to support people where they are. So we help people discover their greatness, their goals, what they want to do, help them develop it, and then bring it to um, fruition and make it happen. In the midst of developing people, I've been developing my family. I have two um, teenage boys and became a mom at 40 and then 42. And then just, and I have been in the field of early childhood education for 20 plus years at that point, and just utilize all of that knowledge and raising my family with my husband and growing um, young men that will change the world. And in the midst of it, telling my story as an educator of over three and a half decades. So wow. yeah, that's who I am. That's what I bring to every interaction. If I'm helping someone start a business, if I'm helping them launch their family, um, supporting systems and schools. Um, that's who I am. Now tell, tell the world, uh, what is it like raising boys? Oh, well, I, so I am definitely a boy's mom, <laughs> even though initially I wanted girls, but I'm a little hard. So boys were a much better match for me, but it's like, um, having your, being outside of your body, having this experience of wanting to create a world where they won't be harmed, but they will succeed. So developing confidence in them so that they can do whatever they set their minds to. But it's also pretty scary because today's times are scary as young black boys growing up in a world that doesn't always embrace them, but yeah. creating a mindset in the um, boys where they will take it on and they will be the best of who they are in whatever settings that they are. So very rewarding, but ch a little challenging to keep them focused and um, goal oriented and to keep pushing forward and trying. So yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah, so I have the pleasure of having, a, a having boys and girls, have uh, two sons and a daughter. And I'm just so amazed. They're all three different, even amongst yeah. the boys. But I'm just so amazed how different girls and boys are. You, it's yeah, just, yeah, just the way that we go about doing things. It's like, oh my goodness, and raising them, 
being aware of the different ways that you have to raise boys and girls. But then you got to think about how you raise each one of them based on who they are. Exactly. Because they're not all the same. No, no. I, I think one of the, when you mentioned that, one of the joys is that they protect me because I'm the only girl in the oh, house sure. besides our, our dog, um, Grace, is the Doberman. And so as the older they get, they're like, mom, why don't you walk over here? Mom, oh, I got that. Put that down. I'll grab. I was like, I could carry stuff. Like, I'm, I'm strong. <laughs> but they just innately want to nurture and take care. And then they still come in for hugs, but that now they're towering over me and I'm like, okay, you're heavy. Like, can you uh -huh. get it off of yeah. me? But they still are affectionate and loving. And I want to say, because I've been nurturing them and their dad has been nurturing them. And so that's a joy that I get to experience all the time. Yeah, that's good. That's good. There's nothing like having children. Now having children later in life, was that you got married late or what? Why, why is that? Or why was that? If you don't mind telling. Well, yeah, only God knows, but I had a whole first marriage, which I call field experience of 11 years. <laughs> then I got divorced. <laughs> I got divorced at 30 and then, oh, I moved to Oklahoma and then got divorced. So I'm away from my family in California, here in Oklahoma, got divorced and uh took all that energy and frustration and focused on my schooling finished my degrees my bachelor's my master's and then got remarried and so in that in my remarriage my husband uh, had been married before so he has two grown children um i'm gonna say the ages but they're they're grown grown and then they have 16 and 14 and it was, even though it wasn't what my plan was, it was yeah. right on time. Yeah. And um, my husband being an older man as well, it it blends so well. And there's, we have three different perspectives in the house. So we have our children's at their age, my own coming from California, and then my husband, Oklahoma bred, and um, 14 years, my elder. So it's interesting times to yeah. say the least. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, hey, and then throw the dog in the mix because dogs are not right. easy. <laughs> the dog and the cat. We have Maestro. Oh, my Maestro. goodness. Yeah, Maestro is an old man. Um, oh, my. runs oh my. the show, basically. So, yeah, now, just a dog and a cat. <laughs> wow, yeah. So, you there's a couple of things. Sounds like you, your first, your field experience, I think that's what you called it. You were young yeah. when you got married. If you got divorced at 30. Yes. I got married at 16. Uh, I turned 17 that first year when I got married. Um, I don't recommend that to anyone, but it was all experience. And I say field experience because I had met some older um, African-American women. I was at an event and I was saying, I just wasted you know, 11 years, they're like, oh no, honey, that was experienced. Nothing was wasted. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so okay, the older okay. I got, I was like, you know what? Field experience, real marriage. There was a difference and I'm glad I had it. So now I have it to um, help other people with as well. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Now you, you say that's young. So the reason I asked you about that is because my my middle son, who's 
getting ready to graduate. Like he has a girlfriend and they're so serious and they, they think they're ready to get married. Like they're ready to graduate and go get married. And you know, he's nothing like me when I was 18. Like if, if somebody's going to be able to pull it off, I can see him doing it just because of his spiritual walk, how he is yeah. with his faith and how he's made yeah. decisions through high school and, uh, he's still a boy though. Like organization's not his thing. He's he's a bright kid and everything, but there's still some of that. But his girlfriend balances him out. She's the one who right. like keeps him on track and and all of that. But yeah, he wants. To, they talking about getting married. I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't. But know. some some of them are ready. Like they're ready to do life together. Like yeah, I recognize that in my oldest with his first experience, he was like making really, really great sound like thoughts and whatnot. I was like, okay, he has some, you know, maturity there. And yeah. um, we don't know, like it's what we've been exposed to. It's what we are open to. But I was really, really shocked at how um, well he was in relationship and talking and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. you never know. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's what I, I'm like, and you know, you never know, right? Mm -hmm. We 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 base things off our experience or what the world kind of tells us. And I'm like, hey, when you operate by faith and living a life based on God's word, right? The sky's the it limit, is. you know. <laughs> it is. It is. It really is. Yeah. And we have to give them credit. Um, they have their own. Our children have their own purpose. And they have their way of doing things and we get to partner with them as parents to walk alongside yeah to say hey you know tell me a little bit about that decision you're thinking yeah. about making right and have a conversation but it's really not up to us to direct or to totally guide it because it is their life and they have purpose that they're destined with purpose too just like we are so yep yep that that's so true um so thinking about your three and a half decades of teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Being in education, uh, right now, it seems like, I feel like we don't know where education is going. Yeah. What changed? Yeah. What, ha what happened in the last so many years? In, in, okay, I'm going to ask you this. What, what has happened? And then uh -huh. what are some of the things that people can look at as far as the good is what's happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think what's happened is in education, in a sense, we gave away our power. And I say mm. that because the power of education is the teachers lived experience shared with their students. And so when we start dictating what can and can't be done, and it only has to be, it's scripted then we lose our sense of value in what has grown our community. So when I was teaching, I started out teaching in preschool and I had autonomy in my classroom. And so I knew that children will go as far as you give them information. So I had two-year-olds and my two-year-olds were doing things that four-year-olds did because I didn't put a ceiling on what they could do. And when I understood that that two-year-old comes from a family, they don't just arrive at school just for me to teach. And I started supporting the family and the child, 
then I started seeing different outcomes. And so I think we have forgotten what community means to schooling. And I think we've forgotten as teachers how to bring our whole selves because it's not welcomed um, in most places. And this is actually my study for my PhD. And my focus is on teacher voice. And when you support teachers fully from their childhood experience, their community experiences, and they join your school, they're gonna teach in a different way to those children and families than they would if you ignore who they are as they come into the classroom. So not only do children have to be accepted for who they are, teachers have to be accepted for who they are so that they can bring their full selves into the classroom. And when that's celebrated, it looks a lot different than what we have today. Yeah, so I think what what I hear you saying is like, um, teachers need to be able to be themselves in order to give their best. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and some, and it seems as though we've kind of taken that away from teachers to be who they are in their classrooms yeah. in order to teach mm -hmm. probably based on their skills or whatever the case may be. Um, right. when you, cause earlier, I think you said that we gave it away. Like what, what do you mean by you? we gave it away? Like, how did we give it away? What does that look like? Yeah, so when we, so I say we, and I'd say that as a family member, a community member, when we entrust systems to raise our kids and navigate through all the things that they do, we give away our power, we give away our voice. <clears throat> so I'll give myself as an example, because I'm an educator, every teacher my children have encountered met me first as Mrs. Ramsey, Jason and Jeremiah's mom, Webster's wife, and then they met me as an educator. An educator committed to supporting them as teachers as they nurture my child and a partner with them in nurturing my children. And so I had the same spill from family childcare, which is where they started, Miss Matilda, to our, our school we go to now with every grade level. So I always want them to know that I am a teacher and an educator, which tells them I have a standard, but I also want them to know I am partnering with you with my children. You're not raising them. You're not guiding them. I actually am the guy <laughs> raising them and we choose to partner with you. And so it lets them know I'm not an adversary you know, against them. I'm gonna be for them but I'm also, first of all, for my children and I know what's best for them. And so I'm gonna work hand in hand to make sure that gets met. In the time that they've been in school, I've only encountered maybe two teachers in all of their schooling. I have 11th grader and a ninth grader. Two teachers across both of them that I had to be there like, like, hello, I'm not going away, right? Um, but everyone else has embraced, like I'm gonna be involved as a parent and I wanna support you as well. And so it goes both ways. We have to have systems that support teachers and we have to have families that are supported with their children. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that I started early whenever I started working at the Chamber of Commerce was this hashtag community wins. And mm -hmm. when I, when I, when I, in my head, when I was thinking about community wins, that's the church is playing a part. The schools play a part. The parents play yep. the part. The small business plays a part. 
you know, us as individuals, like shopping local, all these different mm-hmm. things is what brings us together if we're going to really win and have success. And I hear that's what you're saying right. in the sense of like, hey, you, you get to partner in, in this thing with me as far as raising my children or investing in them in certain ways. Yeah. And also, I think what I hear you saying is like there's take some intentionality on your part as a parent to be yes. there. And you like, I'm not right. going anywhere. I'm, I, we're partnering. I don't get to leave and just right. let you do your thing, right? Like, yeah. no, yeah. I'm here with right. you. Let's let's do right. this. Let's have conversations around yeah. uh, what's best for my kids. But I probably I know them better than you because they're right. my children. And and I'm not just speaking to for my kids because with my flexibility, I can be at the school. I can have an extra meeting. Some parents can't do that. So when I'm there, I'm representing my children, but I'm listening out for their friends, the other things that are going on. I'm making other parents aware, hey, you may want to make a visit to the school. I was there yesterday. It's important for us to get involved. And so I'm being ears and eyes in that community and letting the community support the community as well. So it's it's twofold. And also I'm making, I'm not just making noise, right? But I'm actually contributing to the success of the school as well as the children and the family that go there. So. Now, see, you would be like, a, you're a rock star community member, right? You, you in the school, you like, I'm not just here to partner with you with my child. I'm listening for everybody in the hood and in my community. Right. And if something's going down, I'm sending a mass text message, right? Like, That's right. Going, yeah. <laughs> and if little Johnny's mama ain't been here, I'm letting her know that we have an ice cream next week and she needs to send $3. Right. That's, <laughs> or, or if you don't have $3, I got Johnny. I got $3. Yeah. Next time they're like, okay, I got him the next time. So yeah. <laughs> but that that's also the mentality of when my friends came to my house, and if I got in trouble, we all got, got in trouble. trouble. And right. we were all gonna get disciplined in whatever that may have looked like at that time. That's Whereas right. that's it's right. not so much of that. I actually was uh in a school this morning. And there was a group of teachers standing and I walked up uh, kind of just engaging with them or whatever. And they started laughing. They was like, now we're talking about our own children. We can talk about our own children. You know, we're not talking about other children. And they was like, and we're, this is what they said. They said, we're realistic about our children. Yeah. What, what they were saying to me was like, parents typically aren't realistic. And so when there is a challenge with one of the children that they present that to the parent, the parents don't take it and own that. They yeah. now fight the teacher and says, no, my kid, not my little Johnny. My little Johnny's right. perfect. Now, you know, get well, yeah. your little Johnny bad. Now, you know, and that, right. now we got this big uproar. <laughs> and so, which is, that's the reason I love schools. That's the reason I love, yeah. schools is the foundation of, like right. it's the, I, I like to say it's the centerpiece. Like when you go to a table and you have the centerpiece on the table. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what schools are. It is. I, I think one thing that that brings to mind, my boys are in sports. So we go, we travel in Oklahoma to different, um, to different uh, schools. And I always amazes me when we go to these small towns 
They have the best fields. Everybody in town is there. They have at one school, they had the lights. The lights was the light of the field. So they parked the cars around. So they knew it was going to turn dusk. Then they went in their car and they turned the lights on because the game is still going to happen. And I always laugh because in inner city, we like struggle. Like we can't spend that much money on, you know, the field or whatnot. But in those towns, like that is the center place. And yeah. we just recently went to a, um, a, a college visit in Arkansas and the college plays on the high school's um, field. And the field is nice until they build their own, they're using it. And so yeah. it is, it's the center place for everything in the community. Yeah. And you almost, you almost could say the pulse of the school is the pulse of what's happening in the community. If we really oh. start looking at it that way, right? So sure. how strong is the community? Look at the school systems that are there and what support it there. Yeah. Oh, when my friends know that I live in Guthrie and they, and Guthrie is a, a place that they're considering moving. The first thing they're asking me are how are the schools? Yep. That's yep. the number one. They don't ask me about the streets. They don't ask me about where do I get the grocery shop? They don't ask me any of that. They just say, what are right. the schools like? Right, right, and, right. And then the second, the second question may be, where do you go to church? You know, like, is yeah. there a good church? Yeah. Which goes back to when you think about church, you think about community. This is my tribe. Mm -hmm. These is my people. This is where I'm going to connect at, right? And so um, it's just that, yeah, that's what schools are. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When, when you think about, again, like, I think you would be considered a rock star parent, right? Like, you would be, you would be, if there was a chart, you'd be at the top of the chart. How do we get the parents, <laughs> not saying that these parents are not rock stars, but when you, when you're thinking about education and your experience and you understand the power of parenting and what that looks like to partner with parents, how do we get parents to get involved? Like, what does that look yeah. like? So, so I, so this is my other passion. So education and then families, I know families are the first institution of God. So we got to support our families. So how we live our lives every day matters and we have to break the isolation because as a parent, I'm dealing with the same things you are with your children at whatever stage, but where do we get together to just talk about it or just to say, hey, I am struggling with potty training or whatever it is, right? What did you do, right? And to let you know that you're on track, you're not going to lose it. They will eventually yeah. do it. Yeah, And here's the supports that you can do to help them do it, right? And so one of my um, projects or passions with developing people is it's called A to Z Parenting. And when we parent with intention, then our children develop in a different way. But if we don't set it as a priority, then we can't parent with intention. And what that looks like, it looks different at every stage. So now I have 16 and a 14 year old, my intention is checking in with them. And we have, we have two things, questions that we ask. How have you contributed today? So that's in the home, at school, cause they have lots of requests. They're like, I need some shoes. I need some cleats. I need da, 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 da. How have you contributed to the household? And the second is make it a habit. 
And so if they start to develop these patterns and these habits, my intention is that they will cultivate character and they'll carry that out, right? How did I learn that? I learned that because I didn't want to be the parent always ragging on my kids about what they weren't doing. And so I stopped wasting breath on go clean up your room. Why is this not done? I was like, because that sets the tone and the atmosphere, right? For your home. So instead, I just would ask them those two questions. They're like, mom, I I haven't did anything, but I'm going to get that done right now, right? Because they know they want me to respond to them. So you need to respond in the same way because we're all living here under one roof together. And so parenting happens every single day with every routine, with every comment that we make. Some days we do great at it. Some days we may fail and mess up but we can always come back and say, hey, I didn't handle that very well. Let's sit down and talk about it to our children, right? Yeah. Not like over to the side, but actually to our children and fessing up to like, I don't, I'm I'm struggling trying to figure this out. Let's sit down and figure it out together, right? And so it it is not a, it's not that we failed as parents when we do that. It shows that we all have to figure things out and we need each other but you can create that by those intentional um, processes. So A to Z parenting is what we provide for that. We have a conference every year. Um, This year will be at Rose State College in May. And so that's what we talk about from prenatal all the way to empty nests. And so we're, we're parenting at every stage of that journey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I guess too, like, it's almost like preaching to the choir. Uh, and and this is something people just have to make those decisions that they want to come and get that, that information and, right. and learn. And, and you really can't worry about that, but just making sure that it's available and, and you informing people that it's available is about the only thing that you can do. Um, yeah. I, 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 another thought that I, I was having when we were talking about raising our children and they're all being different and we got to kind of, adjust to the different personality types of our kids and all that. I'm thinking about the classroom and there being 20, 25. I have a teacher friend said she got 30 kids and you have so many different personality types, so many different learning styles. How do you manage? Like what are you teaching and helping with teachers around those kind of things? So I, I use a concept called the third teacher. The third teacher is the environment because it's impossible to teach 30 children, like all different, even if they're all the same ages, they have different um, personalities, temperaments, it's impossible. So as a teacher, you can get pretty creative in creating spaces where they do some work together like small group work and be able to pair students together to do simple things. But you are managing not only the children, the lesson, but you're also managing the environment. And if you manage the environment well, then you create these pockets of kind of pause where you can take a breath, recess, and then be able to assist um, assist um, the students that are in there. The other thing is that learning has to be fun, right? If it's rote, 
methodical, just what the lesson plan said, children are like, they're out, I'm out of here. So as a rule, and now I've been doing this for three and a half decades, I had one rule, all of my lessons had to affect all five senses. So if I could engage all five senses in whatever I was teaching, that ensured that every child was gonna get something that they need. So in preschool that looked like popping popcorn with the air popper on a big white sheet, and then taking that popcorn as it's popping out, getting to eat it, right? So I get to taste it, I get to smell it, I get to see it, I get to hear it, and then I get to feel it. So all of the five senses with that one activity were met. But then that popcorn would then turn into a rainbow because we would dye it and color it, and we just kept using it, right? So if you can in some way incorporate every sense, five senses in whatever you're doing, if it was read another thing we had in our older group or at school age is reading books. So I'm reading books, but I'm sitting on a comfy beanbag. I may need to be moving around because I'm, a, you know, I'm a child who needs to move around or I may have an audible book I could put in my ears. I may have a physical book and then I could recreate the book on like, um, um, oh, what's the stuff I used to use with felt and put it on the board and retell the story, walk around, like you engage all of those things. And not just in a preschool classroom, because the school agers need it just as much as the young children need it yeah. too. And so keeping it going, but it, for a teacher, it gives you a way to step back, let the children lead, learn how to be a group leader, whatnot. You get your pause because you don't always have an assistant either. And so you're able to be able to navigate that together. So yeah, that's what I used to do and still do. I do it with adult learners now in the same way on Zoom, same way. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to be be mindful of that and, and, and trying to, I guess you really like, that takes some real preparation in that, right? To be able to yes. make sure you are engaging yeah. all five senses because that's not something you're just going right. to be coming up with on the fly. No, no, not most people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, yeah. But yeah, yeah. You do have to plan ahead and make sure. And also, I always tell teachers include what you like to do because you're a part of that classroom and that environment too. So if you're a musician and you play an instrument, bring your instrument into the classroom, and that's how we get ready in the mid beginning of the day. So you're bringing, like I said, your full self into that classroom. So consider yourself in it as well as the students that you're teaching. And that makes for a rich, a rich teaching environment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Whenever you find that, um, cause you, you talk about investing in families and into teachers, of course, both of these involve, uh, young kids, right? Because families have children, teachers are involved with, mm -hmm. Do you correlate the two? Like, is there some of the things that you, when you're talking about family and then when you're talking about teachers, is there some of the things that you find similar in how you in teaching and instruct? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I am, I'm a storyteller by nature uh -huh. and I wrote a book called stories of stories of resistance. It's early childhood, African-American early childhood teachers talking about their journey as teachers, right? 
And in my story, is the chapter is called Planet. And I tell my I am story. And what it does is it gives a picture of everything I am bringing it into the classroom. And so I can't talk about who I am as a teacher without talking about the family I grew up in and you know who we who we are, right? And as we move move through those. If you want, I can read you my I am story and then okay. you'll be able to see the the correlation of it. So I think it's one of the important pieces is that we have all have connecting points. So as teachers, our childhood experiences translate into our teaching experiences. If we're going back to revisit those things, and those may be like kids say, oh, back in the day, you're like, back in the day, <laughs> like that wasn't that long ago. Uh, but there's lessons to be learned through those that still bring bring it forward today. So if you want to close, I'll grab my book, but we can okay. read that story. Okay. Because it was power, it was powerful when I wrote it, but reading it, I use it now as an opener for my um, keynote speaking. Reading it brings a whole different light, like to the work. So yeah. Okay, you want me to read it now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. I am a descendant from a proud people, rooted in social justice and servant leadership. I am from the Bay Area, Berkeley, San Francisco, and Oakland, California are the roots that raised me. My ancestors were rooted in the Chickasha, Oklahoma, Bakersfield, California, Houston, Texas, and Waxahachie lands. I am from the African-American culture, Cherokee Nation, French and Blackfoot indigenous people. I am filled with verbal storytelling traditions, foods made from scratch and filled with love, evening dialogue with everyone represented, kitchen chatter in the background, deep discussions in the foreground, and children playing board games in the midst. I am an English language speaker. I am the experience of a home life nurtured by both father and mother, a young married girl, identity shattered, divorcee, broken and healed, restored hope, second marriage, pregnant with joy, broken with despair and miscarriage, healed and restored, pregnant with exuberant joy, carrying a son and another, my legacy living forward. I am nourished by her healthy meals from the garden, planted with our hands, tilled with our hands, brought forth with labor and cooked with love. Fresh tomatoes, okra, green beans, calabasas, squash with onions and peppers, spinach, cantaloupe, collard greens, and black eyed peas. The family table restored and enjoyed by all who stopped by. I am a child that emerged from playing outdoors till the streetlights went out, exploring our town, riding bikes in the streets, visiting the public library, riding the city bus in the summertime, climbing trees and picking fruit in the orchard, carefully hidden between the houses of the streets of 12th Avenue. I am raised by Black Panthers, Y2K, and the ancestors who lived through the Depression, Longshoremen, Teamsters, 
business owners, homeowners, and housemaids. I am a strategist, creative, seamstress, quilter, embroiderer, book enthusiast, collector of stories and things, and an advocate for the simple life. I am a pedagogical leader, a gate opener, a systems changer, a provocateur, and a change agent. I am Kelly Sanders Ramsey. That's good. That is, thank you. So that's how I start my keynotes. And I send that to those that engage me so they know who's walking in the room and what it embodies to be fully ourselves. And that that's what it takes as we're working with families and children. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and you bring that to the classroom. Like that's yes. not only what you're bringing to your family, like you're bringing no. all that to your husband, you're bringing that to your children, you bring that to yeah. your work, to your community. Yeah. That's who you are. Yeah. 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 And when you can, you like I wrote it and it was several iterations, but when I read it, I was like, that's who I am. Like, that's what you get when I come in. And I, I'm always amazed at, um, I'm always amazed at that. Every time I read it, something else like pops up of like who I am and coming forward. And I'm I'm me living in my body every day, but it's still new yeah. to me even as I read yeah. it. So yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Have you had your sons right there? I how how old do you need to be to start working on your I am story? Is there a certain age? There's not a certain age. <laughs> I haven't had them write theirs. Um, they did read mine. Um, but it's funny you say that because I um, like I'm a keeper of all the things. And when they were little, I'm always been a goal setter. I would have them write their goals. And so I have literally right here by my desk, their goals from when they were two and four. And it was real simple. I would say, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? And where do you want to go? And so they wrote their things down. And Jason's has football, 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 football on there <laughs> and that's what he's doing he's playing football and doing an amazing job so yeah that's that's really cool uh talking about goals what are some things that you uh encourage teachers like around goals i know you probably should define your own goals for yourself but are there any things that you suggest to them to consider uh when going into a classroom around goal setting yeah, so at the beginning of the year, it's really important to, like I said, partner with families. So one way to do that is to have families write what what are your, I usually say intentions. What are your intentions for this year for your child? What do you want to see them reach by the end of the year? And if you do it in a creative way, <coughs> excuse me. Then you can go back at the end of the year, open those notes up, read them out loud, have like a closing ceremony with the um, parents and really see how they fulfill what they were looking for. For as a teacher, it gives you a guidepost to say, okay, I wanna implement these particular things in our community so that learning is happening in this way. And it gives you a starting place rather than thinking as a teacher, I have to figure it all out by myself because the parents know their children. And so they're going to have some ideas about what they want to accomplish. 
And also, if they write that down, they're going to be wanting to partner with you throughout the year. And so that's one tangible thing that we did. One year, we wrote it on little scrolls of paper, and we stuck it. It was a cardboard like packing slip that looked like a little honeycomb. And yeah. we stuck them in that honeycomb, and we hung it at the front of the classroom as a reminder that these were our goals. And then parents could add to them as they were going. But then at the end of the year, we read them out loud and had a little ceremony um, as they went away um, to talk about, wow, this year was so different than what I thought. Here's what we accomplished. And then we get a whole community win as they move forward to the next um, grade level. So yeah. So very important to set goals. You can call them whatever you want. Like you can call them daily intentions. Um, but the main thing is like you have some vision for where you're headed and then you start to chip away with it as you go there. Yeah. So the so of course I like my sweatshirt, the go win. Is, yeah. You know, versus the goal. I say it the what is define your win. And the mm -hmm. go is about what are those right things you need to be consistent in to achieve whatever yeah. win it is you defined for yourself so that you can live right. out. I say so that you can live out your greatest story because the people who have the most interesting stories to me are people like yourself who you've defined some wins for yourself and you're yes. you're working towards the you're you got great stories. You can tell stories about yourself all day. It's yeah. those people yeah. who don't set those wins for themselves and yeah. don't have a game plan of what each day right. will look like to move them towards yeah. those wins. And so it's, yeah. it's cool and to I, hear I about. Think, yeah. I think that, I think that's, what's important about setting those. I use intentions. So what's my daily intention for myself and for my family. So I have several different ones, but I always encourage people because one lady asked me, she's like, can I have a system? I was like, you can create a system around anything. Your system yeah. could be a post-it note and you write three things today I want to focus on and yeah. stick it on your steering wheel. So you yeah. can create whatever you want and it doesn't have to look like anyone else's, but you do have to be able to measure. Am I getting close? Am I making some steps towards it? Do I need to change what that goal is because it's not working anymore? Um, just being able to write it down or capture it, even an audio note in your phone and hearing yourself say, this is what I want to accomplish. And then playing it back like, I did that and I did that and I did that. So that's what keeps us encouraged. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, the daily intentions, are they based on whatever your goal is? Yeah, so I'm a planner. And so I have a whole, whole routine. Um, I plan my month out. And then from that, I've set like what my goals are for that month. And then I will plan, take those goals and put them into my week. Like these are the tasks I need to complete and then my day. And when I am going through it, when I do it well, I, at the end of the uh, month, I review it and I look and see, oh, wow, you really accomplished this. Or maybe I didn't accomplish any of those things, but other things I did, I'll add those into it. So that's, that's my practice so that every day I'm plugging away with the goals that I've set. And they can be by the month, by the quarter, by the year. Um, but that's just a practice I have to keep it before me. Got you. Do you have a specific day? Like, so November is coming up. When would, when would you lay out November? 
Like do you so do the, every the, every fourth Wednesday of the month, you get ready for the next month. No, not that organized, but the last <laughs> week of the last week of the month, I'm reviewing my month of October. So I'll review it next week. I'll review the month of October. And then I set my goals for November in that same week. So by the first of November, the goals are set. So I can like begin right away. That's on an ideal week. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh man, I didn't do my goals, right? Yeah. And then mid month, I'll write them down yeah. and then I'll catch up to it. So when I'm doing it well, it's the last week of the month and then immediately set the new goals as well. And I actually keep, I have, I have a goals journal that I write in every month that chronicles my whole year. So I'm in, and every month I've done that for the past three years. Yeah. So That's cool. I have different things. I do do this. I do a workshop that helps you like figure it out if you haven't figured it out. So yeah. And, That's and my it, um, launch pad. The launch pad is what it's called. So for for the people listening, uh, you should you should hear that Kelly has a lot of different types of <laughs> opportunities for you to connect with her and be able to yeah. help walk you through some of the amazing things uh, in your life that are yeah. that are important and valuable to you. And uh, Kelly, before before we get out of here, just kind of just describe uh, some of the things that you're most passionate about in connecting with people. So, so most pa passionate, I am about developing people and people can be children. It can be adults. It can be parents because I truly believe God created each of us with a purpose in mind. And our job is to find out what that purpose is and to go do it. And so I help people to get intention in their lives to be able to go and do it. And, and it's to make it simple. Like sometimes we complicate things like, oh, that's for them over there. It really is for everybody. We just have to figure out how we want to go about it. And yeah. so if it's the youngest um, toddler, like I met uh, a three-year-old um, during a, I was during a client visit and he reminded me because he has so much like, like purpose and destiny. He is like a spitfire. And he reminded me why I love the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds. But he was giving his mom the blues like she's like oh come on let's go and she's an educator but she he reminded me that everybody needs to be tapped into and when we are we respond when we are not then we don't respond and so sometimes it's slowing things down so i have clients who are in their 70s i have clients who are teenagers trying to figure out life and then 20-somethings, 30-somethings. So I just meet them where they are, and then we start the journey from there. That's really cool. How do they find you? Have social media, website? Um, website, developpeople.org. Um, social media, Instagram is at developpeople. And would love to have you come join us for any of our events. We're local in Oklahoma City, South Oklahoma City. So check out the website. You'll be able to map out what's available right now. Yeah, and we'll have all of your information down in the descriptions of wherever people are listening or watch, watching this at. So we'll have that available to you all as well. So just look in the description and uh, be able to reach out to Kelly. Kelly, I so I could keep going, uh, but it's a Friday, 
right? And, <laughs> we got football. And I got football. And all, <laughs> yeah, we got football and all the things going on. Uh, but I'm so excited that we had the opportunity to be able to catch up and, and, and talk through some of these amazing things, family and education and schools and all that stuff. Me too. I've enjoyed it. We'll have to do it again. Yes. As I yes. Re- reboot my um, podcast that you inspired. And so I need to get back on the. We got to get on it. We got to get on it. We got to get on it. Yeah. Yes. My first episode gives honor to you, uh, which was some <laughs> years ago, but it was because of you and yeah. simple, like, just get started and do it. So just get I'm going to get back to it. <laughs> Let's just do it. Because it's so good. Like, just being able to have these conversations with people and be able to capture it and share it. You know, yeah. I think sometimes we can overthink it, but it's like. Hey, somebody, if somebody listens in on this, like there's a lot, I'm looking at my notes. I was just taking notes while we were talking and it's a lot here that's like people, practical stuff that people can grab a hold to. So, so thank you so much. I hope, I hope y'all win tonight. Yes. We're going to have a winning game. The rain held on. So we want to win this last game. Let's, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, thank you again for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman Podcast. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, go win.